Hey, thanks so much for joining us at our Red Rocks Church podcast. If you're new here, we're just a bunch of broken, messed up, imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. We hope that this message encourages your heart, builds your faith so that you can say yes to all of the plans and the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy this message. Red Rocks Church, how you feeling today? Man, I hope you're ready for a great day at church. I was standing over the side and I was already getting weepy today. I don't know, it's just one of those moments where God made me feel like this big in the best way possible. And I just believe that anytime we enter the presence of God, there can be opportunity for life change. And I wouldn't stand on this stage and, and pray and fight and fast this week if I didn't believe that God couldn't change your life, if God couldn't change your marriage, and so maybe just today, you're going to find exactly what it is that you've been looking for. And man, I'm just so excited. Believing that God has a great thing for you today. Let's take a second to welcome all of our Denver-based locations, Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium, all those joining us from across the world online. And of course, our men and women at God Behind Bars. Come on. We love you guys. You guys can take a seat. Scott, you can hang with me for a minute. You guys feeling good? My name is Andrew Matrone, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Red Rocks Church. And any time that I get the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is such an absolute honor. And our lead pastor, Sean Johnson, let's get up for our lead pastors, Sean and Jill Johnson. Love you guys. He asked me to preach a couple weeks ago, and I had this thought of where I was going to go. And then he preached last week. He talked about uh, God's promise of his presence. And I was just so moved last week where I felt like God wanted me to expound on what he talked about. And so anytime that I get the opportunity to preach and I begin to pray, I try to get someone in my mind. I try to get a face or a situation. I try to speak to a person, an individual. And the person that I want to talk to today is a person in this room or listening online where you feel like you know deep down in your heart that God has been calling you to something new. You're sitting with your spouse and you can nudge each other. He's like, okay, yep. He's about to read our mail. That God is calling you into something, out of something, from something, to something. But you know that God is calling you to something new. But the reality is the thing that you feel like God is calling you to, for some reason you have this level of tension or resistance within your soul. And today I want to talk about what do you do when the thing is that, that God is calling you to do seems too difficult? What do you do when the thing that God is calling you to do seems too difficult? I'm going to be reading out of Judges chapter 6 today and a little bit of background to Judges chapter 6. Judges comes right after the book of Joshua where God has just brought his people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. He's brought them through the wilderness and the promised land. He's brought them to this great place. But the Israelites have an issue, just like all of us have an issue. They have this sin issue. They keep sinning against God. And every time they sin against God, God gives them over to an enemy. And they're oppressed for a long time. But then they cry out to God. And then because God loves them, they're his children. He sends a deliverer. And so they're free. And then they screw up again. Can I get an amen? They screw up again. It's, it's this whole cycle. And so you find this moment in Judges chapter 6 where this happens again. It says that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And so God gave them over to the Midianites. And it says that the Midianites oppressed 
the Israelites so badly that all they could do was hide. So they hid out on mountain clefts and they hid out in caves. And it says that the Midianites so impoverished the Israelites that they finally got to a place where they cried out to God. And so you have this big opening scene, like the opening act of a movie where the Midianites are oppressing the Israelites. What should we do? Where should we go? We're hiding. And then it's like this, the credits go, and then it just zooms into this, this tree, this oak tree. And there's this angel of the Lord sitting under this tree and begins to have this conversation with this farmer named Gideon. And so we're going to go to Gideon chapter 6, not Gideon chapter 6, Judges chapter 6. It said Gideon at the top. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. You ready? Thanks, James. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Ophrah and that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Circle mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Ever felt that? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and has given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength that you have. Underline that and circle that if you're following along. And save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, getting replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none of them alive. What do you do when the thing that God is calling you to do seems too difficult? Let me pray. God, we thank you for this moment. God, as I said at the top of this message, Lord, any time that we enter into your presence, it does not matter what sermon is being preached. It does not matter what words are being read out of the word of God. All that matters is your presence. And God, I pray that you would speak to us uniquely, Lord. You know our unique situations. You know our unique circumstances, Lord. So we give this moment over to you. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Question, have you ever tried something new before that you were nervous about? You were pretty hesitant, but you tried it anyways, but it didn't really work out that well for you? Anybody ever been there? When I first moved here, I just graduated college and I was a 21-year-old knucklehead, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. And so uh, I, I, I called Chad Brugman, who was a pastor out here. I'm like, hey, uh, what can I do with my life? He's like, come live in my basement. So I, I interned at the church. I was 21 years old, and I was the janitor for 10 months. That was my first job as a church. So they, they paid me to, be, to clean the toilet. So that was awesome. But I was 21 years old, and I, I was living in someone's basement, had no friends, really had, had not much going for me. But I remember I had played football in college, and I missed just hitting people. I was like, I, I, miss, I miss hitting people. And I was a linebacker. That's what I did for my life. And, and so I remember being like, I've always wanted to try boxing. I've always wanted to try kickboxing. That just sounds like something that, that maybe I would be good at. And so there was this day I was driving down one of the most beautiful roads in all of Colorado, Wadsworth. I was, I was driving down Wadsworth, and I see this boxing gym, and I think to myself, well, that, that, that sounds awesome. So I go into the gym, and, and the guy, who, the instructor, he meets me, and he's like, well, let me tour you around the gym before you sign up. I'm like, this is great. And so he's touring me around this, this gym, and I start to see all these people. They just seem a little out of shape, a little older than me. I'm like, I could come to this gym and dominate this place. 
So of course I signed up. So I go to this gym and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to learn some stuff. And after like a couple weeks, I'm like, yo, dude, I, I think I'm just better than some of the stuff you're teaching me. Like, can I, can I, can I start doing some more stuff? I want to spar somebody. And he's like, you're not ready. I said, well, first of all, I'll tell you when I'm ready. <laughs> Second of all, get me in that ring. He says, okay. He says, well, then you can box my wife. First of all, I don't know how to feel about that. Second of all, if she wants to get a whooping, then put her in that ring. Come on. So I get in the ring. I had never sparred before. I don't know what I'm doing. All I know is I'm just a giant meathead, so I'm going to swing as hard as I possibly can. So I'm, 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 I'm in, the, I'm in the, the boxing ring, and then all of a sudden, his wife begins to enter the ring. And let me tell you, she looks a little less like a ballerina and a little bit more like a linebacker. And she, she gets into the ring. And I'm thinking, okay, we'll see how this one goes. But what I failed to see all around the gym and what people failed to, to teach me was that this woman was once a national championship boxer in Russia. News clippings all around from her fights and how she dominated women all throughout the country of Russia. <laughs> so she, she gets in the ring and we're just kind of like moving around and we're feeling each other out. It's weird, but we're, we're kind of, we're, you know, we're feeling each other out, doing some jabs. And then all of a sudden, she throws this haymaker. Like I would have never, I, I'm like, who are you? She throws this haymaker. I'm like, Ooh, okay, she wants to play. Here we go. <laughs> So we're kind of moving around, and she's bobbing her head, doing all the things. And so I, I, I'm like, okay, you know what? I got one shot of this thing. I'm going to try to knock her head off. And so I, I throw this big left hook. And I don't know if it's Fetlana or Floyd Mayweather, but she ducks under, and she comes up, and she pops me on the chin like a punch that could only come from Thor. She hits me so hard throws me up against the ropes and proceeds to destroy every part of my physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual part of who I am. I left that gym that day, never went back. I think that it's still being debited out of my card today because I'm too nervous to go back, but I knew I should have never tried something new, you know. Uh, doing new things is difficult, right? It's easier for us to stay in, in the comfort of, of what we know. It's easier to stay in the comfort of what we know that is safe and secure. Getting out of our normal comfort zone is just something that's not really easy. And I was thinking about it this week. And something that I've come to understand about God and sometimes can be frustrating about God, but what I love about God is that God is always calling us to something new. God is always calling us to newer and to higher levels. In Romans, it says that he is looking to transform or renew us. In Isaiah, it says, behold, for I am doing new things. Lamentation says, for my mercies are what? New every morning. In Corinthians, it says, the old is gone, the new has come, for you are what? A new creation. That God is always progressing us. God is always moving us forward. Stagnation and God do not go together. He was always doing something new in our lives, expanding us. I remember a couple of months or a couple of weeks into COVID, and we were on lockdown and quarantine. I remember just staring out my window every single day and saying about 15 times, like, what, what planet are we on? What is happening right now? 
But I remember saying multiple times, I remember other people saying this phrase, and tell me if you said it, that I can't wait to just get back to normal. I can't wait to get back to the old way of things. But then all of us realize that you cannot go through the thing that we just went through and get back to normal. Can I tell you that God has not taken you through the things that you have been through, the highs, the lows, the victories, the defeats, the despair, the heartache, to get you back to normal. Listen, God is not interested in getting you back to normal. God is not interested in getting you back to the old you. Listen, God is actually not interested in even keeping you the same for where you are in this moment. Listen, God does not change. God will not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God will not change, but God is always changing us. Always changing us. And it's this term in the Bible, it's called sanctification. And what sanctification is, it means the process of being made holy. So it's a process of being made. It's not completed, but it's being made holy. Listen, you and I will not be completely whole or holy on this side of eternity. So what does that mean? That means that whether you're 25 or 85, God is always doing something new. God is always trying to expand your mind. God is always trying to transform and progress you and move you closer to the path of holiness, which you will not experience on this side of eternity. Listen, and it's never changed just for the sake of change. God doesn't change us because he wants to put his iron thumb on us and control us. Every time that God tries to change us, it's for the sake of our betterment. It's for the sake of the betterment of the people around us. It's for the sake of the gospel and the purpose in the kingdom of God. He does not just change us just for the sake of change. But every time that God calls us, and, and how do I know that God calls me? Maybe you're asking that question. Well, what's the reoccurring theme that you feel or experience every time that you're in the presence of God? Like for the past few months of your life, the past week, maybe past years, every time that you sit in service, every time that you worship or in life group or whatever it might be, what's the reoccurring theme that you feel like God is, you feel tension every time? Well, it's probably God calling you or speaking to you. But every time God calls us, Sometimes it's met with this like external excitement of, ooh, this is gonna be awesome. But more times than not, come on, we all know that it's met with this internal tension. Because rarely what God calls us to is comfortable, is easy, is a road that's been paved before. Always better, but it's rarely easy. And because of that, many times when God calls us, or speaks to us, we're met with this internal feeling of, I don't know if I have what it takes to do the thing that God is calling me to do. I don't know if I have the capacity. I don't know if I have the energy. I don't know if I have the time. I don't know if I have the skill set. I, I don't know if I have what it takes to, to give this up. I don't know if I have what it takes to give this or forgive this, to start this, to stop this, to let go of this. I don't know. I know that he's calling me. It's very clear. I feel tension in my soul every time that I engage with him, not out of condemnation, but out of his love and grace. But I just don't know if I can do the thing that God has called me to do. And so my question that I want you to, to ponder and ask yourself today is, what new thing has God been trying to do in your life? And why I love this message is because every single person listening to this should have something in your mind. What new thing is God trying to call you to or call you out of? 
And the second question is, why is there resistance in your soul? Why do you feel tension? Tons of different reasons, but why do you feel tension that's difficult to accomplish the thing that God is calling you to do? You see, the story of Gideon, I think, can resonate with us. And I know that Gideon lived thousands of years ago, so maybe his external circumstances are different, but he's still a child of God. He's made in the image of God, so his internal tensions are the same as our internal tensions, just maybe looks a little bit different. But the nation of Israel at this point was in shambles. They were oppressed. And so God was looking to raise up a leader to free his people because God always uses people to accomplish his purposes. And so the angel of the Lord appears under an oak tree to Gideon while Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. Why is that detail important? Ancient readers would have read this and said, oh, how sad. Poor guy threshing wheat in a wine press. Right, threshing wheat was something that was difficult. It was a job that no one wanted to do. And I know this because I was a farmer for 20 years of my life. Just kidding. Do I look like a farmer? Does this look like a farmer? Not that there's a stereotype, but I just don't think I look like a farmer. But threshing wheat is you, you would beat or sift these long stalks of wheat, and there would be these little seeds in the wheat, but you would have to separate them from the kernel and the husk. And so every time you would thresh wheat, the seed, the important part, would fall to the ground, and then the kernel would blow away from the wind. So what you would do is you would normally do this out in an open space so that the kernel could be removed from the seed. But Gideon, he can't do this in an open space. And the reason why Gideon can't do it in an open space is because he is hiding from the Midianites. And so it says that Gideon is threshing wheat in a wine press. So here's an ancient wine press. So normally he would have threshed wheat outside, but he goes down into a wine press so that he can hide to thresh the wheat. See, this is very difficult, but the reality is that this is his, his only choice because Gideon is living in this perpetual fear. So you have to imagine as Gideon is sitting in a wine press, threshing wheat, that his life probably isn't all that enjoyable, okay, right? He's probably lacking in some, uh, some faith, some excitement, some, some joy, probably feels a deep level of insignificance within his life. And then this angel of the Lord comes to him and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. To a farmer, threshing wheat in a wine press because he's scared for his life. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I was reading this, and I think that this is so profound and so powerful. Then think about this. Before God calls Gideon to lead the Israelites into battle to defeat the Midianites, before God calls Gideon to anything, God first establishes Gideon's identity. Watch this. Before God calls Gideon to do anything, he establishes his identity. God calls Gideon by who he created him to be, not by what his current circumstances made him believe that he was. Listen, his current circumstances made him believe that I'm just this fearful, oppressed Wheat thresher, but God calls him by who God created him to be, not by what his circumstances made him believe that he was. Why, why, why does God speak to Gideon like this? Why is this so important? Well, I believe this important fact, that identity precedes purpose. If I don't understand my true identity, then I'll never be able to fulfill my true purpose. 
Who you believe you are will dictate what you do and how you do it and the confidence in which you will do it with. If Gideon believes that his identity is this oppressed, depressed, anxious wheat thresher, odds are he probably won't answer the call of God in his life. Odds are he probably won't lead the Israelites into battle. And odds are he will not fulfill the purposes of God on his life and for the Israelites. Listen. God has and always will be from Genesis to Revelation calling people beyond their capacity. From day one, God has always been calling people beyond their identity, always been calling people beyond their circumstance or their family background, their upbringing. God has always been calling people beyond their sin patterns. If you look at the story again and then you fast forward 2,000 years, there's another angel of the Lord that appears to this young teenage girl. And he, before he tells us that you are going to give birth to a child and, and raise a child who will one day deliver the entire world from their sins, before he establishes her call, he says to her, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. To Gideon, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. To Mary, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, because you know this, here's where we're going to go from here. Listen, some of you feel like what God is calling me to do does not match the description of who I currently am. Come on. I know what God's calling me to do, but that does not match at all who I currently am or the way that I'm currently living. How can it be that God can call me beyond my ability? How is it that God can call me beyond my my leadership, beyond my energy, beyond my capacity, beyond my sin patterns? Is it possible that God sees you differently than you see yourself? Is it possible that God sees you differently than what your sin pattern would say that you are? Is it possible that God sees you differently than your upbringing made you believe that you are? Listen, you may see yourself as just a barista, just a dad, just a mom just a businessman or woman, just an investor, just an addict, just a prisoner, just a student. But can I tell you that God sees you as far beyond that? Psalm 139 says, before God knit you, before God knit you together in your mother's womb, that he planned all your days ahead. In Ephesians, it says that for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us. So think about this for a moment. Before you were even born, God created your days ahead, and then he perfectly wove you together to fulfill the plan and to fulfill the purpose that he would one day set before you. Listen, your identity was created before you were even in your mother's womb. Not what your circumstances have made you believe about yourself in this current season. But if you do not know your identity in Christ, odds are you probably won't walk out in the purposes of Christ. Can I remind you today of the identity that God has established in your life, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what has been done to you? You can put those up here. You can take a screenshot of these. This is all throughout Scripture. There's many more that I am called, I am chosen, I am blessed. I'm victorious, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, I'm a new creation, I'm forgiven, I'm set free, that this is your identity. And if you understand your identity, it'll drive your purpose. See, Mighty Warrior was new to Gideon, but it was not new to God. Mighty Warrior was always God's plan A for Gideon. Gideon just didn't know it yet. 
So the story goes in Judges 6, verse 13. And it says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Like Gideon, he's questioning God's allowance of the difficulty that he's allowing the Israelite people to go through. And it says, the Lord turned to him and slapped him. Just kidding. (laughs) Could you imagine if that was in there? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Gideon is basically like, yo, God, pick somebody else because it ain't going to be me. I can't do the thing that you are calling me to do. I don't have the ability I come from the weakest family, and I am the weakest one. Have you not seen my upbringing? Have you not seen where I have come through? How on earth could you call me to lead people to battle when I've never been to battle myself? You do realize my clan is the weakest. I don't think that I have what it takes to do what you are calling me to do. Sometimes we feel like the thing that God is calling us to do feels far beyond us. Like, God, I know that you're calling me to forgive. But you saw what happened, and I've been trying to, but I don't think that I have the strength to forgive. God, I know you're calling me to fight for my marriage, but you've seen what's happened in our marriage, and we're hanging on by a thread. I, I don't know if I have the wisdom or discernment to, to do what you're calling me to do. God, I know that you've been calling us to, to give generously, but God, you've seen our bank account. God, I, I know that you're calling me to break off this relationship, but, but you know, if I break off this relationship, I, I might just be lonely for the rest of my life, and you know that my, my depression and anxiety and my loneliness, I can't handle that. God, I know that you're calling me to get help for this addiction, but if I get help for this addiction, then people will know, and then I might lose my job, I might lose family or friends. God, I don't know if I have what it takes to do the thing that you are calling me to do, but what I love is God says to Gideon, he says, look, Gideon, He says, go in the strength that you have. Go in the strength that you have. A little bit ago, uh, just like every other meathead or wannabe meathead uh, during COVID, I bought a home gym. And you would think that not having to drive to the gym and only having to walk down three stairs in my gym that you would work out a lot more, but you'd be really surprised. And so I'll... uh, I'll go out there and I'll, and I'll work out quite a bit. When I'm out there, my, my, my son comes out and he'll put on my boxing gloves and he'll hit the bag or, or he'll ride his bike around and, and start driving down the driveway into the street while I'm mid-set and I have to go chase him down as a thing. We're working on it. But the other day I was doing pull-ups and I'm like, hey, Abe, I'm like, hey, come do a pull-up. He's like, I can't do a pull-up. He's five. <laughs> Abe, come do a pull-up. Dad, I can't do a pull-up. I'm like, come here, come here. So I, I grab him. I'm like, hey, Abram. I'm like, just grab, just grab the bar. And so he grabs me, I'm like, just pull up as hard as you can. And so he's pulling, he's, he's like this. And, and I, I just, I grab him by his waist and I'm like, hmm? good job, bud, come on. He's like, he's like, I'm doing it. I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> it, was this, it was this profound moment that, that, that I thought to myself, like Abram could have given all the strength that he had, but there's not a snowball chance in hell that he wouldn't be able to lift himself up on his own. But he had to grab the bar. 
He had to reach out and grab it. You see, he gave what he had, I gave what I had, and together we were able to accomplish what I asked him to do. Listen, can I remind you that, that God will do the heavy lifting, but you gotta grab the bar. You have to give what you have, and God will give what he has. Let me ask you a question when you're facing the things that you're facing right now. What strength do you have? I know it may not be much, but what do you have? What faith do you have? What courage do you have? What ability do you have in this season of life? See, because understand something about God. God is a God of multiplication, okay? And God can only multiply what is offered to him. I'm no math whiz, but I think zero times anything equals zero, right? Okay, thank you. Right, something has to be offered. For God to work and for God to multiply, something has to be offered in faith. Well, I don't have enough strength. Well, Ephesians 6.10 says, let the mighty strength of the Lord make you strong. I don't have enough faith. Well, Matthew 17.20 says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say this mountain move and it will move. I don't have enough power. Well, 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, well, my power is made perfect in your weakness. This isn't God trying to manufacture, just try to get you to realize your potential and get you to realize your ability so you can go out. No, 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 no. God understands that the thing that he's calling you to do, you cannot do on your own. You give what you can, you can give, I'll give what I give, and together we will accomplish the thing that I am calling you to do. You see, because he said to Gideon, he said, go in the strength you have. He said, am I not sending you? Gideon, who's sending you? No one else sending you. I'm sending you. One thing I've learned, I say this all the time, that if God calls you to something, God will equip you for it. God will grace you for it. Listen, God will never call you to something that he doesn't already go there first, as Sean talked about last week. God will never call you to something that he won't equip you with or grace you for. He says, I will be with you. And he says, and then you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. You go in the strength you have, I will be with you, but then you will go and strike down the Midianites. God says, look, I'll be with you, but you gotta go. I'll be with you, but you gotta grab the bar. I'll be with you, but you gotta move. You gotta act. Listen, at some point as believers, we have to respond to the call of God. We can no longer sit on this proverbial couch of our lives and being frustrated and always filled with tension because the reality is until you answer the call that God has in your life, you will always feel this tension inside your soul. Listen, at some point, we have to respond. And what I have begun to understand in my life through my faith and my relationship with Christ and what I read is that there is a level of activity that provokes a response from God. James says, draw close to me and all draw close to you. You step, I step. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be answered. Ask, and you will, will receive. There is a level of seeking. There's a level of action. Faith is not passive, it is active, but there is a level of movement that I believe provokes a response from God. Listen, a lot of us want God-like results, but aren't willing to take God-like steps. We, we want God to move, we want God to act, we want God to respond, but we refuse to step into the thing that God is currently calling us into. Listen, I hate to break it to you, but that ain't how faith works. 
And it gets broken to me multiple times a week. And God's like, that's not how it works. Faith steps usually result in God's movement. Here's how it works. God speaks, I move, God responds. God speaks, I move, he responds. Listen, God honors movement. Faith honors God and God honors faith. In Hebrews it says it's actually impossible to please God without faith. That faith causes God to respond. You see it all throughout the New Testament in the Gospels and encounters with Jesus. That faith moved the heart of Jesus. Faith always caused Jesus to act. But it wasn't just faith in Jesus. It was the act of faith towards Jesus. Listen, you can have faith in God, but there's something about taking a step of courage and taking a step of faith towards God and towards the things that he is calling you to in your life. Listen, God gives two guarantees when you begin to step out into the thing that he's calling you to. That I will be with you and I'll equip you. I'll be with you and I'll equip you. Ben, you can come on up. See, it's nice because Sean spoke last week and basically said all these things, but way better. And so I didn't feel like I had to talk for too long. So, <laughs> But, you know, I, I decided to, to preach this message because this has been something that I, I've been really working through and, and wrestling with. You know, a, a couple of, of months ago, I got invited to go on this, this men's retreat. And it was about 30 pastors. And the, the goal of, of, of the retreat was for us to, to hang out, get to know people, um, talk ministry, and just kind of refresh, but ultimately have, have a moment with God. And, you know, I remember before going on the trip, I was literally about to leave. I was packing my bags, and, and I remember telling my wife, I'm like, I just, I don't feel like going. I'm like, I'm just, I don't feel like pretending with a bunch of pastors that, I'm better than what I actually am right now. I was just at a place in life where there was nothing that was overarching, but I just felt in a place in life where I was just overwhelmed. Just we, we were moving homes, we were trying to sell our home, and just just kids and bills, you know, just all like the, the daily life stuff that can sometimes just bog you down. And I was just at a place in life where I just felt pretty overwhelmed and stressed out, and I lacked joy, I lacked motivation, I lacked passion, I kind of just felt like I was existing. And so I decide to go, my wife encourages me to go, so I decide to go, and as I'm driving up the mountain, I'm, I'm driving by myself, and, and I begin to have this conversation with God of, hey God, I feel such tension in my soul, and I, I can't continue going on like this. I'm like, God, I need you to move this week, I need you to speak to me, I need you to call me. Careful what you ask for. I get to this retreat, and on the second night, a pastor, he gives a devotion, and, and he kind of creates this space for us to, to pray and worship, and everyone's praying and worshiping, and I'm just sitting with my head in my hands, and just like, God, like, I, where are you? I feel like I haven't heard you. And all of a sudden, why I began to cry a little bit over here before I started to preach was because the same feeling I just had over there was what God made me feel in that moment where God just made me feel like this tiny little human being, but in such a great way. And I just feel like God just began to reveal things about my heart, reveal things about my soul, reveal things about my behaviors. And God just began to speak to me and downloading stuff to me. And then I just feel like God started calling me out of things. 
God called, started calling me into things. Hey, Andrew, I love you, but this is destructive to your life. Andrew, I love you, but I have some better things for your life. I need you to say yes to me. I need you to move towards the things that I'm calling you to. And I just began to weep around a bunch of guys. My gosh, hold it together. Think about lifting weights, football. Not the friends reunion. Don't think about that. No, no. So the kind of session ends and the guy who led the devotion, he's like, hey, Andrew, can you come, can you come up here? I'm like, no. And he just begins to affirm everything that God was speaking. And all my friends and all these pastors just laid hands on me and began to pray for me. It was this powerful moment. But I remember driving down that night, driving down the mountain. It was about 11.30 at night again. I was alone. And I was like, God, I know that you've called me. I know that you, and I just felt this tension inside my soul and my heart. And I just remember feeling this, that God, I, I know that you have called me. I know that you have spoken. I just don't know if I can do the things that you are calling me to do. And I had this revelation, where, whether it was the Holy Spirit or not, but I felt this deep in my soul that, that God spoke over me. Andrew, what I'm calling you to is not just about you. The things I'm calling you to, Andrew, are not just about you. And then God began to like throw images of my son and my daughter and my wife and my home and this church and the people that I pastor and shepherd and the people that I get to lead and the people that, I've, I've, that lead me. And, and I, I began to just see that God was saying, Andrew, the things that I'm calling you to are not just about you. Listen, this whole story about Gideon it's not about Gideon having this self-actualization moment where he's like, ooh, I got it now. I got the potential. I got the abilities. I can do it now. Yes, now I can go. Listen, that's not what it's about. The story about Gideon is actually about Gideon hearing a call from God, Gideon responding to God so that the purposes of God would be fulfilled and that the people of God would experience freedom. God called Gideon for the people of God and for the purposes of God. Listen, can I tell you that the thing that God is calling you to, can I flip it on, on top of its head for a moment? Can you step outside yourself for a moment that the thing that God is calling you to is not just about you. It's about the people around you. It's about the purposes, the glory, and the kingdom of God. It's about your son. It's about your daughter. It's about your husband. It's about your wife. It's about the people that you live around, go to work out with, work with. Listen, do I believe that God calls us so that we can, we can feel this peace and joy and contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment in life? Yes, absolutely, God wants that for you, but once we say yes to God and he begins to call us, it's no longer about you, but it's about the purposes of God. It's not about self-actualization, it's actually about self-sacrifice. It's me denying my flesh, saying no to the comfortable things of this world, denying my own wants, my own needs, my own pleasures, and saying yes to God for the sacrifice of other people and for the kingdom of God. Can I tell you that this is why we preach these sermons every single week? Not just for you to come in this room and feel real fluffy, but okay, I am good. I do have what it takes. No, you don't. You don't. 
God has what it takes. But listen, our, our goal for these moments is to inspire you and strengthen you and encourage you so that you will walk in the path and the purpose that God has for you so that the kingdom of God will be moved forward so that the people in your life will be served and changed in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you guys can stand to your feet. If you could take a 30,000 foot view of your life and you could see that this dot of your life, the decisions that you make today might just cause a ripple effect for the rest of your life for the people's lives that are around you. God's calling you. He establishes your identity. He gives you strength. He goes with you. But you got to move. And when you move, it's not just about you. It's about the people around you. Amen. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much for this moment. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, God, that people begin to respond to the tension that's in their soul, Lord, and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not mad at anybody, but Lord, you're calling them for the betterment of their soul. You're calling them for the betterment of the people around them. I just want to ask one question in this room today. I never want to talk about Jesus or the gospel or the word of God and not give you a chance to respond to Jesus. You're in here at all locations. You're at God Behind Bars listening online. And you say, you know what? I have been searching and searching and searching. Always searching, but never finding. Everything in my life has returned void. But then I just walked into this moment. I just listened to this message. And I think that I just found the thing that it is that I've been looking for. And I think that it might just be Jesus. You're in this room or at any one of our locations. God behind bars online. You say, you know what? I want to respond to God and give my life over and say yes to Jesus for the very first time. Would you slip up your hand all across this place? Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. God, we thank you for meeting us here today. And God, it is our absolute honor to give you all the glory and praise that you deserve. Red Rocks Church, let's worship.